God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you, through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. He continues, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down, down, lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command, command you so that you will love one another. The other day I saw an old TV clip from 1988 where President George Bush said in a speech, we live in a time of peace and prosperity. I don't know the larger context of the speech, but I'm thinking, peace and prosperity. 1988? Well, I remember 1988. I guess it was okay. <clears throat> we weren't in any protracted war anywhere at that time. But it was a time of peace and prosperity compared to what? World War II? The 1960s? Perhaps. But even during times of peace and prosperity, evil is brewing somewhere in the world, waiting to rear its ugly head. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> it's getting louder. They're coming. Ho hopefully not here. Everybody looks okay? Anybody call 911? Yeah, I, know, I noticed that, but they should be well on their way home by now. Lord, I pray it's not Dennis or Dee. All right. <clears throat> when George Bush was saying, we live in a time of peace and prosperity, he couldn't have had any idea that his son would be saying remarkably different words in the same office a little over a decade later. Couldn't have had any idea. And now, for us, two decades after September 11, 2001, None of us citizens, including the President of the United States, can say we live in a time of peace and prosperity without it sounding hollow and not entirely the case anymore, right? For those who believe and confess Jesus Christ, however, His words are not hollow. Instead, they bring peace and comfort, great comfort, and also a great challenge. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The challenge being, in every age, Jesus' call to love one another as he has loved us is at odds with the deadly culture in which we, his people, live. Sin and evil in this world has been overcome 
by Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, but it hasn't been vanquished. In other words, our, our God has defeated evil at the same time, not completely until certain things happen which are still coming. Each generation then, until the return of Jesus, are forced to engage sin and evil which come to destroy and kill. And it certainly was the case 20 years ago, wasn't it? As a nation, we fought many battles in the Middle East and in some cases on our own soil, but we haven't yet won the larger war on terrorism. As that war continues, we'll keep adding names to the role to be remembered. But there's more. <clears throat> Some people speak in despair of our American society and way of life. They're quick to point to the many evils of our culture. And we do have problems, no doubt about that. I don't need to recount them all to you. If you don't know what they are by now, you've been living under a rock or in a cave this whole time, right? <laughs> in fact, if you're like me, you're getting weary of all the sin and the complaints we Christians make of it. For 20 years or more, we've been reading article after article from church leaders and theologians about the, the evils of this and that, about the abortion and the decline of marriage and substance abuse and, and everything else. You know, your, your Lutheran Witness magazine you get in the mail is a means by which this is com communicated to you every month. And I would imagine some, upon receiving it, immediately chuck that sucker into the recycle bin. Which, by the way doesn't actually get recycled. But that's another problem we don't have time for today. What I'm saying is, sometimes we hear so much about what's wrong and not working in the world, we miss what's still good about it. We live in a time of peace and prosperity. Well, before September 2001, maybe the world's evil seemed more distant and abstract. Maybe we felt more secure on our own soil. But today, Jesus is still Lord of all. He's still got us in His hands. And we're still breathing, even with a pandemic on top of everything else. That's good, yes? You know, in 1918 and 1919, well, you know this, during the influenza pandemic, there was no vaccine. There were no respirators in the hospitals. There was no hand sanitizer. Doctors and nurses wore face masks because it was clear that the flu was passed around through the mouth. Efforts to get the entire population to wear face masks never fully worked, though, because just like today, Americans didn't want to be told what to do by doctors and politicians. But the main thing which got the seriously ill through that time and saved a lot of lives was the individual attention and care they received. That nurses to tend to people who had a very contagious virus, that is a great love and exemplified the love of God to the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that kind of love is still being carried out right now by caregivers in our pandemic. And it's given in the work and the lives of those who fight the war on terror, wherever it might be. I know the two seem unrelated, but the service of those is the same. 
And that's another good thing about the world today that we shouldn't overlook. The best thing about the world today, though, is Jesus Christ. He's the best thing. The person who exemplifies God's love for the world most perfectly is Jesus Christ, who defines and is the love of God in the flesh, who calls us to obey His commandments in order that we love one another. It's a love that comes from heaven, the throne of God, comes down to earth, comes through us, and it goes out to the world. Look, it's one thing to be fed up with the government bureaucrats imposing mandates in the name of public safety. It's another thing to resist or even willfully disobey Jesus' mandate to obey His commandment so that we will love one another. He knows our world and its evil. He knows each and every one of us. He knows what we've done. He knows what we're inclined to do and what we will do. Yet He, in His love for you, entered into this world of evil in order to overcome all the power of sin and death and hell itself just for you. He came not to condemn, but that through Him, you and I would have eternal life. And eternal life we have. No greater price could have been paid for our lives than that which He paid on a hilltop just outside the city gates of Jerusalem. There the very Son of God Himself laid down His life for you and me. He loves us while we are yet still sinners. At the same time, He's made us saints, righteous and cleansed of all sin through our baptism. So no matter what the world looks like for you, whether we remember what it was like 20 years ago, yesterday, or what it's looked like just this past year or so, we belong to the one who lives forever and gives us life forever. Jesus, in the midst of all this earthly conflict and war and evil, still comes to us in His Word and in His body and blood at this altar and countless altars across the world for all who hear, listen, believe, and obey. Anger and hate may seem strong, but the power of Jesus Christ is without limit. So He has overcome. His, His is the greatest love. And that is good news today, my friends. May it bring you peace and comfort in this time. Amen.